You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more information about this show, as well as my other show, Enthusiasts, previously called How to Stan, visit 17caratkpop.weebly.com. And sign up for the show's free newsletter for interviews and much more at 17caratkpop.substack.com. Thank you! Hello everybody! As you will see now on 17caratkpop.substack.com and 17caratkpop.weebly.com, plus the show's YouTube channel, I have been posting a lot from P1 Harmony's Chicago stop on the P1 Year Tour. Full review on my website in the Substack newsletter. It is a free post, but I do also want to share some additional commentary, and then we'll get to the news of the month. I think I'm gonna do that now. Instead of more regularly, just what stories after the month ends are still actually relevant and important long term. I hope you'll stick around, not just for the P1 Harmony show recap, but my news roundup content too, and stay tuned in the future too for both P1 Harmony specific stuff and my other content. Anyway, let's get to it. I'm going to start out by just saying my objectivity or lack thereof. Because I went into reviewing this show, I was doing official coverage for this one, so I was going as press, so I tried to be very objective in my review of the show. And it could be more than a lot of times, because before the show I was not a piece, but I was a fan of them. Kind of a casual listener, although I did learn to appreciate them more after I did the episode of the show about their music video storyline with the superheroes and stuff, a lot of cool messages in their videos, easter eggs and stuff. It's a cool continuous story. I broke down in the episode called P1 Harmony Story. But in terms of just hardcore stand behavior, I hadn't really known much about them. I mean, I know a lot about every group because it's kind of my job and also I'm obsessed with all these groups, but they just, they're not top tier to me or they weren't. So I did kind of go into the show just very open-minded, like, I hope I like it. I like their songs, but I don't really know what they're like performing. This is my first time seeing them and I don't know. I was just very open. If we're just talking about my whole show experience, though, it does have some bad comparisons to my time at the TXT concert in the TXT concert story episode of the show, just as a title like that, where I talked about how being autistic can really affect my concert experience, and I also talked about that on the NCT The Link episode. I'm doing way too much exposition today, sorry about that. But I'm just saying, the parts that I have gone on about before, my comments here might make more sense if you know about my anxiety issues and autism and stuff before I explain why certain things were the way they were. I experience shows uniquely. So objectively, but also in a very specific way, because of my sensory differences. The point is that it's always worth it to go to these shows, but it often at first is chaos. Like it was for the TXT show, like it was for the NCT show, there are usually obstacles just mentally for me to get to my seat. This show had drummers outside who were so loud. I think it was just street performers. It was a good place to set up, but not for me, (laughs) not for my ears. And it was just really crowded. And there weren't really people working outside. I didn't really see any employees. Like everyone was just winding around the Chicago theater, winding around again and again and again. And everyone sort of just entered the building as this giant blob. There was no order. The lobby is also structured weird here for getting people through. Lots of bottleneck opportunities, same chaos leaving. So at first I was not in the best mood when I got there and got to my seat. That really turned around with this show. Because I really was impressed by it. And I could see why they graduated to Chicago theater-sized places. 
It feels like a very big moment for K-pop and for them specifically because a lot of K-pop acts, especially those who are not as seasoned performers, to just tour concert halls in the U.S. Just small, relatively small venues. So to upgrade from concert halls and the like to theater size, that's a big move up. And so I was very curious how they would bring a show to a bigger stage. And I was just very impressed. I could see why they did graduate up to theater size. They sold out that place, I think, or nearly sold out. It looked sold out. The crowd was so enthusiastic. It really was special. They had that it factor. I was also surprised in a good way that this was one of the more diverse fandoms I've seen at a show. BTS is probably forever going to be the one where I saw the most diversity in every demographic way imaginable, but this show really had a ton of racial and linguistic diversity. Like, I heard a lot of languages being spoken, all kinds of people at the show. That was cool to see. This group turns out a nice, diverse crowd. And this crowd really did impress me with how passionate they were, how loudly and excitedly they shouted things back at the group. The call and response was really good. The enthusiasm was high. It was very cool. And like I said in my NCT review, I thought that was going to for sure just be the permanent placeholder, number one in my book for most objects thrown on stage. Nope, they won for sure. It was a freaking toy store on stage. The plushies, the flowers, the headpieces. I mean, you all turned out when it comes to gifts. Like, they were showered in gifts. 17 main things that really stood out to me about the show. One was the diversity of the crowd. Two is the disorganization of the venue. Three, the amount of things people threw on stage. Four, just seeing how much, what the hype is all about and why they upgraded venues. Five, in talk. My bias has been Kiho, but no one told me how cute Intak is. Like, he's really attractive. He was so charming and just so cute. My bias is probably still Kiho, but he really tested me. Number six is also just, I didn't really stop to look at them on the big screen ever, and they really are cute. What I was first drawn to was their storyline, but you cannot deny their good looks have something to do with it too. Again, especially Kiho and Intak. Number seven was just their dynamic, both with the crowd and each other. Like, they really did seem authentic and to be having a genuinely good time. I always appreciate when an artist is so mentally present, not just physically there, going through their routine. They really brought their all to Chicago and just seemed to really enjoy themselves and just show every part of themselves, all their different talents. Number eight They really impressed me with the ways they made use of what was frankly a lower budget show. They didn't have tons in terms of special effects or props, and that didn't make the show boring like it could have. They utilized what they had. They had like glow-in-the-dark lighting on some of the furniture. They had enormous background screens. The Chicago Theater is really great for that. You are guaranteed to see well, at least on the big screen you can watch the show. And they had some confetti and smoke and stuff. Number nine... I must admit, I really do prefer when they translate for each other as opposed to having the person backstage do the English translations or have a computerized translator, any of that. Although I really do not like the thought that it's like a burden on the English-speaking members to have to keep translating for their bandmates, 
But at the same time, I'm just, I gotta admit, I really don't like the just hired translators. Because not only do they probably not get all the, the nuances of what their bandmate is trying to say, but I can never hear them. The audio quality is not good. So I just appreciated it a lot that this show, Kiho mostly, just translated for them when they needed some help. Number 10 is very personal to me if you listen to my TXT story, which I also wrote about on Substack because it got me very fired up and upset. It's a very different circumstance here. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on it. I saw discarded signs at the security scanning area where they check your bags. They also took some of the signs people brought that I guess were too big, but they didn't look that big at all. But I guess this venue didn't want people to hold up signs during the show. I also saw some people brought flags. Those were taken away too. I'm just curious what you think about that because now in my case, they approved and said my sign was fine and it's another TXT fan who yelled at me to take it down and that that was a whole other, that was a whole other episode, a whole other story. So that hurt more and was different. But I am curious what your thoughts are on bringing signs and flags to shows in the first place because sometimes venues are very strict about hey, and apparently some fandoms too, don't even hold that up for one song because you're blocking a view. But also, whenever I see someone who took the time to bring a sign, I'm just like, you go. You're gonna be in my way, but at least for a couple songs, then maybe I'll tell you to put it down. I'm just gonna let you enjoy yourself, live in the moment, have that escapism. This is probably a dream come true for you. Fine, I will give up some sight for you to enjoy with the sign held up. That's what I would do now, having been on the other side of that. But I'm just curious what you guys think about bringing signs and stuff. What's the etiquette? And how much does it matter if it's indoors or outdoors, sold out or not? Let me know. I'll make that the question of the day where you can answer directly in Spotify if that's where you're listening. Number 11, in terms of just things that stood out to me and were most memorable. The unit and solo stages. Always one of the highlights of any K-pop show. Just seeing what they do solo. There was this cover of Love Never Felt So Good by Michael Jackson, which just was so good. They had this really cool retro wardrobe. It was a unit performance, Jiyoon, Kiho, Soul. It was just so smooth. And then also Kiho saying a bit of Beyonce's Deja Vu, reminding me what a great bop that was. So if you didn't like the performance, I did. But if you didn't, at least you got to be reminded about just that incredible song and be back in the mood to listen to it. I also found it really cool that Soul chose a ballad because he had been breakdancing up a storm in the show so far, so he was kind of casting himself as the group's dancer, but then he just totally did not go the hip-hop route for his solo performance and instead went sentimental, which was very cool. I also just love The Sun 21 by Dean, and it was just brought to life so beautifully by Theo, who is also way more beautiful in person. And then the iconic rap duo were just all the fire emojis here. They really got into it. It felt like a real improv rap battle, although I'm sure they rehearsed every second of it, but they pulled it off like it was a movie scene. Number 12, the ending ments. They said a lot of the usual stuff, but they did not do what I'm always preparing for any K-pop artist to do when they're in Chicago. They mentioned the pizza and they mentioned the weather. Usually a joke about, oh, you're so hot, even though getting here it was cold or whatever. This group, I don't think, I don't recall them doing either of those go-to lines, which I actually appreciated. 
But they did have some of the typical ments about just thank you for everything. But it really was just cool to see because you can tell in someone's face, in their eyes, when they really mean it and their gratitude was very real. Like June was practically tearing up talking about the surprise fan setup. They held up all these little butterflies and hearts and stuff. Cute little props to hold up as a surprise for them during the encore. I actually, though, did not see any banners that we would hold up during the encore, so I guess that was the alternative, but I'm curious if anyone did get a banner and I just missed out, feel free to let me know, but I didn't see anyone with it. The men's and then fan suite surprise I listed as a separate thing, so now on to number 14, the looks. This tour wardrobe, really awesome. Very fun embellished sparkly blazers and other dressy looks. Love the sheer-sleeved, sparkly top Theo wears for his solo stage. Look out for that. Plus then the velvet suit for Love Never Felt So Good. And I also really liked their street style. So they switched from blazers to just very stylish casual wear as they are known to rock. And then they ended with your typical rep the merch in jeans and stuff. There's actually this very cool double denim thing going on with shiny sneakers for one of Theo's outfits of the night. That was probably my favorite look personally. They really should have a clothing line someday. I'm going to speak that into existence. 15. The set list. They really covered day one songs up until now. It was really good and comprehensive. And I also found it smart that they chose most of the high energy stuff. They kept the mood really high energy. It made the show fly by. And it also just was made for the live show. They picked the right ones to make part of a live performance version. Especially Follow Me, I saw in a better light after this show and thought, wow, that song now has reached its full potential after getting the live treatment. By the way, if you hear Follow Me, that's also your cue. The show's about to start. Number 16, a separate thing on the list, is part of the set list. Because I just need to remind you all, the best P1 Harmony song ever. Don't fight me on this. End it. End it is it, fittingly. Savor every moment of End It Live. Last thing I'll say now, but again, more on my substack. This is another question I have for you that was raised by this show. Do you prefer K-pop concerts that take the form of song, 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 just going through a huge amount of songs without many breaks to talk to the crowd? Like it's just song, 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 like with an hyphen, where it was just with TXT2, where it's like they tell a whole narrative story throughout the show. Or do you prefer when they break up the show into more pieces with more breaks to talk to the crowd, be interactive, have this intimate feel to the show, but kind of kill the continuity? Like there's no overarching story, but they are more connecting with the crowd. Which do you prefer? I try to be objective in my reviews, so I did give the show a pretty glowing review. And for me, I do admit though and write about the one con for me, which is I prefer the former, not the latter. I prefer like N hyphen style. We're telling you a story the whole way through. Even if it's less interacting with the crowd, just immerse me in the storytelling. So I'll admit, I was honestly, my question at the closed door press event hyping up this tour was about what are you going to bring to the stage that kind of takes from your music video world and brings it to life on stage. And with some groups, they do that. Like TXT, it's pretty much like from the book, from the source material of their music, they bring a theatrical show to life. 
And they were pretty honest with me and said, we don't really plan on doing that. And that has its own merits. I'm not saying I don't like the show at all. My very personal preference is that kind of show that is about the world building. But some people don't care as much about the narrative part. And they just want the fun and they want the interaction. And I do love the talking segments too that go longer than they do for non-K-pop acts. So I'm not saying the show is bad. I'm saying in terms of just in general my favorite kinds of shows, this one wasn't that kind of show. But as I write about in this piece as well, this was probably the best show, not for me, but for them in terms of format because they, as much as they do have a continuous music video world building storyline going on, they also have a lot of variety in their song themes. And their whole theme is also very, a bunch of mini themes in one, right? Because we have each member with different superpowers, different strengths to show the world, different key messages they highlight. Sometimes the theme is perseverance, sometimes the theme is friendship, those kind of keywords. So it makes sense for them to do the kind of show where you don't worry about making everything connected. You just talk about each song and its message on its own. So the objective part of this criticism is just that a show does impress me more when it is cohesive, not just a kind of random order and kind of disjointed and not really following one key theme, tying it all together. The VCRs didn't do that either. There's a very interesting, funny sketch that I was hoping they would do something different with that's all I'll spoil and maybe stretch it into three parts instead, like a suspenseful tune-in-after-the-break situation. That was a cool intermission. I wish they had done more of the sketches rather than the one long one. Other parts of the show were kind of uneven timing-wise. So I say those issues with the show just because I'm going to be totally fair and honest. I'm not going to give a 100% perfect review to Axe because I like to be real with you guys. But I also do bring it back to the plus side of this type of show because it really did help them show their wide variety of storytelling abilities, wide variety of strong suits and talents they wanted to showcase. So for this group specifically, I'm fine with them kind of doing a random show. But if I'm just backing up and thinking, what are some things that impress me about the show? Just sinking into the action uninterrupted, that wasn't one of them this time. You could tell just very objectively that they're not at a certain caliber, but you can also see why they're getting there. I do think they'll just keep getting better and better at this. Like, you could tell they're not rookies anymore. You could tell they've leveled up performance-wise. And you can see where they still have growth to do. And that's very cool to be on this journey. Now I'm kind of a late follower of that journey, but still exciting. Many steps left. So I was, on the whole, really more impressed than I thought I would be. I thought they were incredibly in sync. They were very into the performance. They spent a lot of time interacting with fans, which was very cool to see. They also had one of the more memorable encores I've seen at a show, where they came up from the back of the stage as a surprise to start off the encore and took a long time walking back to the front because they took pictures and gave high fives and stuff to people. I was in the balcony, so no, I did not get to get in on that but it's fine it was a very cool way to do the encore so they kept things pretty original and the show overall really flew by and they were just so charming so cute and so likable so i just overall my main bottom line with this commentary and my Substack piece is just that they exceeded expectations and that i really do get the hype like i understand more now what their it factor is why they've risen above other k-pop groups to get to theater status and hopefully more in the future i see that something special they have and it's hard to boil down it's really a bunch of different things a bunch of secret sauces as kiho said 
I'm going to quick share the setlist with you, then move on to other developments in the world of K-pop. First was Look At Me Now, Back Down, and Scared. Then they stopped to talk, before Me Too, and Doom to Doom. Then they stopped to talk a second time, then they had End It, and Black Hole. They had a funny VCR sketch, then all the solos and units, then a talk break. Then Siren, Mirror Mirror, Follow Me, and then another talk break. Gotta Get Back, BFF, Nemonade, and another talk break. Secret Sauce, Do It Like This, which the crowd understandably just loses it over, and a very nice song for the VCR. Then Breakthrough, Speaker, a final talk break, and then the Encore, which was Swagger and Ayaya. Very extended version. This is one of those shows that it'll feel like it's wrapping up way too early in the night. I think it felt like it was wrapping up by like 9-something, 9.20-ish, and the show started at 7.30. No, hold on, because the immense and the encore, they take their time with, there's quite a long period between the encore starting and the build-up to it, because now you know they go back to the very back, and so the security's getting them set up for that surprise, so just hang in there. And all that stuff takes the show till like 10 o'clock. It sounds like it wraps up but then as Kiho said it suddenly feels like they don't want to leave and they do drag on the outro which I always appreciate at k-pop shows when the night feels like it's still young what are you doing and they come back for a very long encore of course I love that kind of stuff I'm a 17 stan now other things going on in the world of k-pop there have been some big business decisions lately Scooter Braun is now the sole CEO of Hybe America, not a co-CEO with Lenzo Yoon. As of recording time, Lenzo Yoon has not talked about why he left, but he was with the company since 2010, Scooter Braun only since 2021. It's an interesting shakeup that has gotten a lot of buzz because one of Scooter Braun's protégés is Justin Bieber, who just sold his catalog to Hypnosis for $200 million. That statement from Hypnosis Sound Management addresses Scooter Braun as CEO of Hybe America, no mention of Lenzo Yoon. So it's pretty much official already, even though Lenzo Yoon has not divulged much about what prompted the change. I know this intrigues people because it maybe concerns them, given Scooter Braun's history, which would be a whole other podcast episode. Maybe it will be someday, an episode of Stay Tuned. But truly, please step back and remember, Hybe America is like its own thing now. Hybe, as a whole, has different subsidiaries. So let's take, for example, Amazon owns Whole Foods, right? And Amazon also owns the Washington Post. If you work at Whole Foods and a different person steps into the CEO role, runs the show at the Washington Post, that doesn't affect you, even though you both have the same parent boss, Amazon. It's kind of the same here because Hybe America is a separate entity, still owned by Hybe, still under that Hybe umbrella, but totally separate from Hybe Labels. Hybe Labels has the Korea-based agencies that Hybe had been scooping up. Zico's Agency, Source Music, Pletus, and Big Hit Music. So Big Hit Music is a part of Hybe Labels, not Hybe America. So what happens to Hybe America does not really affect Hybe Labels. So no, it won't really affect the Korean artists under high labels. The only way it could is kind of just indirectly, maybe if public opinion towards the company shifts now, that may affect investor behavior, stock market, things like that. But in a very direct way, no, there's no day-to-day impact change. 
calm down about the worries about the influence. It is interesting though, and if new info comes out about this decision, I will surely share it with you. In other surprises, Sessions, this live stream platform that Kevin Wu and other fandoms and artists used, this subscription-based live streamer basically, Sessions closed its doors very abruptly. As a recording time, the site's down, it's like it never happened, it just sort of disappeared. It was doing well in 2020, getting $75 million in new funding. The founder of Pandora, the streamer, started this. They started testing beta models back in spring of 2020. You guessed it. Yep, that was when COVID started. Virtual events, live stream platforms had renewed investor intrigue. But much like Clubhouse and other audio-based apps and other virtual ways to connect, the stocks and just general public appeal and interest has faded. The site and app were successful, though, becoming available in over 200 countries and 15 languages. It also was interesting for how it planned to be, quote, a financial reward system driven by fandom, unquote, trying to do its part to complement artist incomes through fans contributing so that those who are not getting what they're owed on streaming get a little more. The name Sessions might ring a bell because they did host the Joy Ruckus Club Superfest K-pop event. Again, if more comes out about what that was about, the abrupt closure, I will keep you posted. Lastly, CJENM, aka the company behind a bunch of K-pop content and the creators of KCON, hosted what they call the Visionary Awards in Seoul in early January. It was a red carpet live-streamed event in a big open house networking event. Big international ability to promote CJENM. This is also where they recognize people like their own new award ceremony. A 60-person expert panel of insiders did some data crunching and mixed that with their own just panel contributions to create a slate of nominees for the award for being visionaries for this Hollywood wave. So far, 12 different films have been funded and or distributed by CJENM that have been invited to Cannes, the film festival. People also forget the powerhouse CJENM is, besides KCON too, because in the 90s, they were investing in DreamWorks. You know, the big company behind beloved classics like Shrek? Yeah, they believed in DreamWorks before a lot of people did. So they've been the moment, basically. As a recording time, a ton of new CJENM original projects are in the works, especially since Fifth Season, a US-based company, now has 80% of its stake owned by CJENM. The ties between the US and Korean media worlds are definitely tightening right now. Speaking of the media world, there's some new K-pop programming, K-pop star programming, you might want to put on your calendar. Four different seasons of The Seasons will air. The first one is called J Park's Drive, starring J Park, and the other three will have three other MCs running throughout this year. This is a live audience film show that started recording January 11th. A new Mnet show is a monthly one where two different artists collaborate and get a big feature, Mnet Prime Show. Weeks one and two of the show focus on the artists' stories and prep for this big performance together. And that big collab stage is premiered during week three. Week four is more behind the scenes, a look back. First up was Psy and G Idol. Sometime soon as of recording time, TBA, a new educational program, is coming to LGU Plus with the hosts Kim Sung-Kyu and Jane Sung-Kyu. 
Educate Idol is basically a way for celebrities to take lessons they missed out on during fame. So when they were out of school and skipped history class or whatever, this show is basically teaching the stars. And there's a new Netflix reality show, 19 slash 20. It's following the adventures of a group of 19-year-old stars on the cusp of turning 20. It's produced by the team behind Singles Inferno, which is why Netflix is behind it and confident about it. Basically, adulting 101 is happening. This is a school scenario to learn about the rules of the world as you turn 20. The exact release date is TBA. I'll keep you posted. And apparently it started filming on Christmas Eve, which is a very odd start date for production. Sorry to everyone who had to film on Christmas Eve. Two more shows, both out sometime this March. One is a new NBC show, a male version of My Teen Girl, the show that brought you classy. And now they're going to make a new boy group on a show called Boy Fantasy, which had auditions for anyone 14 and up from all over the world. This global group will be created and introduced to the world with MC Max Chainman. He better start calling himself MCMC. And then there is a variety show with still a working title that's just a combination of everyone's names. But this group of famous people are going to be surprised. They're going to think that they're filming a reality show that's like in the soup. A show that's a vacation home, retreat style show. But when they get to where they'll be living, they'll see it's just a very empty blank house. And it's actually, surprise, an interior design show. An interesting premise with an interesting varied group, including G-Idol's Mian, Lee Jun from the YGX Dance Crew, Lee Seraphim's Chewan, Harry from Girls' Day, and TV personality Patricia. Also adding to my curiosity, the fact that this is brought to you by the production director on Amazing Saturday. Let's move on to some court case updates. Since we last talked, there have been some BlackBerry creative updates. I went on about the Luna court case issue, legal issues with our agency, and she's absence in the episode Lunaverse Talk episode 7. The latest are that some of them have won their injunctions to suspend their contracts indefinitely. The others either lost or just did not participate in the effort to do so. So it's kind of fragmented right now what's happening. Apparently, the main reason some of them lost was not because it was a meritless thing, but because I guess they lost some of their standing legally because they had already amended those contracts they wanted out of. So if you already went through an amendment process, it's just legally harder to back out of what you amended than if it was just the OG version of a contract. I'll keep you posted. As I will about Omega X, underrated boy group who were very mistreated by Spire Entertainment. They won the ability to fully end their contracts with this company, and a lawyer for the group said, quote, This case is a case where the court brought attention to the atrocities of an agency that trampled the dreams of young people. We welcome this ruling that respects human dignity and is based on common sense, unquote. On to some relationship news. As of recording time, this has been denied by reps for them, saying they're just having fun as friends right now. But people think Hyuna and Dawn are back together. This was kind of confirmed, but really still a rumor, when it was written about in News 1, January 27th. The people who theorize they're back together, feel free to let me know if there's more to this, but I only found two main sources of that belief that they're back together. Don't get me wrong, I would love it if they were. I just ship them so much. But I think the evidence here is not worth getting so excited about. To me, it does honestly seem like best friend stuff, not necessarily romantic. This is what besties do. They get matching piercings, they hype each other up in the comments of posts. 
And those are the only pieces of so-called evidence that they're back together. One is that Hyuna replied on a post Dawn made about starting over in his career with a new company with a bunch of fire emojis. The other seemingly flirty thing she did was post an Instagram pic with a lip piercing just like his, like it was a couple piercing they thought. Which wouldn't really make sense if he already had it, then they didn't get it as a couple. But yeah, the fire emojis and a new lip piercing. Sorry to burst your bubble, I'm just being honest, I don't know if that means anything. We'd love to be wrong here. I will say honestly, if you see someone after a breakup with a new piercing, odds are that's the opposite sign of getting back together. They want to just change everything up. In a better relationship ending, in a way... After Jamie's boyfriend was found to be cheating on her with what she says was four to five other girls, she posted about it and she exposed him on Instagram right after their ski trip together too. Like no time to just be like, I enjoy the trip, thanks for that, just flat out. Enjoy your life with four to five other girls, not including me because I'm done. And I just, I appreciate that attitude. Just cut him loose. There have been a ton of music show wins the past month or so. If you want a specific award show win roundup, feel free to let me know. I can go through winners for a certain award show on the show. But for the sake of time, I'll just tell you, we have new winners for the Golden Disc Awards, the Soul Music Awards. Plus Blackpink's Lisa is nominated for Sexy Girl with Ozuna, DJ Snake, and Megan Thee Stallion for Crossover Collab of the Year at a Latin award show. Speaking of Blackpink, time to go back to the rumor mill because I found this. I don't like to talk too much about rumors on the show, but this month honestly has been pretty juicy. And people think when Blackpink's YG Entertainment contracts expire, they'll either go the Taeyang route and go to a subsidiary of YG, or they will be bribed big time to go elsewhere, or bribed big time to stay. So some rumors are that 100 billion won will go to Lisa specifically if she wants to stay. Other reporting claims she'll get that amount if she leaves, like that's the offer another company put down. Interesting bidding war here. For context, 100 billion won is about 81 million dollars. 81 million just to stay, or just to leave, whichever one it was. Lisa also just got three more world records. First K-pop solo win at the VMAs. First K-pop solo win at the EMAs. And the K-pop artist with the most Instagram followers. Blackpink is a group, also just got two more world records in the Guinness Book of World Records. Plus, their North American tour is now, after just 10 shows, earning them 31.6 million bucks. 31.6 million across 10 shows, and it's now the highest grossing tour for any female Asian artist in U.S. history. They've also really shown their brand value is just off the charts, with starring roles at Fashion Week events, they're meeting with the French president and his wife and performing at her charity concert, Bridget McCrone's charity event, where they performed a cool version of Shutdown with a prize-winning violinist, Daniel Lozakovich. Blackpink also picked up four different nominations for the iHeartRadio Music Awards. Social voting for that ends March 20th, just a reminder, and then the show is March 27th. BTS also got two nominations. Some best of 2022 wins that different music outlets put out, probably not as read-worthy as the 17 karat K-pop rankings, but whatever. Pitchfork's best of the year did not include K-pop in the reader's choice at all. They did include a J-pop release, Hikaru Utada's, for best albums and best songs, as well as Asaki's Punish, She's a Hyperpop J-pop icon, but no K-pop for readers or for writers of Pitchfork. NME did include some K-pop, only one best album. They picked Jack in the Box by J-Hope. 
They had some good picks for Son of the Year, though, including New Jeans Hype Boy, TXT's Thursday's Child is Far to Go, which I also put really high on my list, higher than they did, Ives Love Dive, Les Seraphim's Impurities, Sun Me's Heartburn, Another super interesting reveal, the best CDs, best-selling CDs in the USA last year. Just period, best-selling CDs, not necessarily best-selling K-pop CDs, but still K-pop is winning. Tenth place, NCT 127, Two Baddies. Nine, Beyonce, Renaissance. Eight, Yes Above Beyonce, N-Hyphen's Manifesto Day One. Seven, Stray Kids' Maxident. Six, Twice, Between One and Two. 5. Stray Kids, Ordinary, Yes, More Stray Kids. 4. Harry Styles, Harry's House. 3. TXT, Minisode 2, Thursday's Child. 2. BTS, Proof. And 1. Taylor Swift, Midnight's. Now for your relatively rapid-fire round of updates. Don Spike was sentenced to probation after repeated meth possession and then his indictment for it. He is three years in prison, but suspended for now for five years probation. NCT127 came to Roblox, which was interesting, and Monster X will be there and in Fortnite February 10th. Rolling Loud Thailand, coming mid-April, is really stacked lineup-wise. Tiger JK, BB, J Park, Jesse... Lee Chaeyoung, formerly of Eyes One, revealed a solo fandom name, The Cherish. That's cute. So many stars turned out. So much K-pop just shined at Fashion Week. Fashion Week this year, off to a stunning start. And just fashion news in general. And Hyphen went to the Prada show. Seventeen's Junhan was just looking beautiful in Paris. Jimin and J-Hope together again. Iconic. Plus Suga now reps Valentino. And Jimin was like, I see you rep Valentino and I raise you. One Dior Global Ambassadorship. Plus Eugene from IVE is Fendi's new ambassador. Taeyang now reps Givenchy. Jisoo had one of my personal favorite looks of the week period in that pretty white dress and updo for Dior. Jackson Wang is now a rep for Louis Vuitton. Loan from SF9 showed up. It's just some stunning pictures from this month. The latest COVID cases. Soonseek from Victon. Sanha from Astro. Joe Yuri. Three members of IVE. Jaehee from Weekly. Tayan from Twice. And Sakura from Le Seraphim. Han Sok from Pentagon was discharged early from the military due to mental health issues. A lot of K-pop artists lately have been going on health-related hiatuses or for other issues. Relatives passing away, things like that. It was a sad month for some of these stars. Laplus member Chanty is on a break. Jonghyuk from TNX. Alex from Drippin'. Chonky Cat from Girls Reverse, a virtual group, aka Olivia. Unites Wuno. In better news, congrats to BY, who's now a dad. Dawn signed with At Area. Nayan is now the face of Givenchy Beauty. The Circle Chart Awards will be held February 18th, and your MCs are Doyeon from NCT and Mian from G-Idol. That's exciting. March 1st, in Los Angeles at the YouTube Theater, Twice are getting a special nomination, a special honor, the Breakthrough Award, at the Billboard Women in Music event there. Twice has a super cute new collab with Case Defy. Astro contract updates. As of recording time, Rocky's still debating. MJ will make a decision after military time ends. The others all renewed their contracts. All members of Momoland did not renew their contracts with Momoland Entertainment. 
Hatfelt left Amoeba Culture. Icon are still a group, but they did now sign with 143, so they're no longer part of YG Entertainment. Ambitious, an interesting new dance crew, signed with Wake One Entertainment. Soonyope from Elast is enlisting. Jane Wanyan is leaving her music bank MC role. Meanwhile, new MCs for show champion include Moon Sua from Billy, Stan Billy, plus Suki and Nana from Wu Ah. Alexa gave a halftime performance at an LA Clippers game. J-Hope's more concept picture with the bunny hat and the t-shirt and the black jumpsuit, the all-black outfit, that will be auctioned off February 5th as part of Music Care's charity relief auction. New to Instagram, Lim Yun Min from AB6, Han Unche from Le Seraphim, and Solo Luna members that includes Cherry, Jin Sol, and Shu. Cha Eun Woo from Astro has his first photo exhibit being set up for mid-February. It's called Archive! Exclamation point. Some Block B members have left the company seven seasons, Jaehyo, B-Bomb, and Yukwon. So Inyun is set to be married in late February. Heyin from La Boom signed with R&D Company. B.I.'s label, 131, won a special German design award, a special mention as part of the show. Itzy are set to host a concert that's both online and offline, February 12th, 5 p.m. Korean time. Ive and Fromis9 both revealed their lightstick designs. Yukika got married to Minghyuk from Map 6, which is the cutest thing. Both of those acts so underrated as a fan of both of them. This is such a happy moment. Aespa are going to hold a two-day concert offline, and one of those days will be live-streamed via Beyond Live, February 26th. After getting through COVID together, staying a group despite all that since 2019, D1s have disbanded. J-Hope in the Box, J-Hope's documentary on Disney+, Plus, will also be on Weverse, and the premiere date is set for February 17th, 5pm Korean time. New Jeans keep breaking records. OMG has given them the title of fastest K-pop group to become million album sellers. Other new million sellers include Itzy now for Cheshire and Red Velvet now for Birthday. Blackpink surpassed 84 million YouTube subscribers. Plus Born Pink surpassed a billion Spotify streams. BTS and Coldplay's collab, My Universe, is now platinum in the UK, and Butter is now gold in the UK. That's a fun sentence out of context. In terms of the number of places Early's topped iTunes in, New Jeans OMG, 9. Yisun, Sensory Flows, 20. Moonbin and Sanha, Incense, 28. Twice, Moonlight Sunrise, 33. Jimin and Taeyang's Vibe, 60. TXT are smashing personal records. Minisode 2 Thursday's Child got 1.8 million pre-orders. The name chapter Temptation, 2.16 million. In terms of first week album sales this month, SF9's The Peace of Nine surpassed 179k, Monster X's Reason over 326k, and TXT over 2.16 million. I'm very proud of the essay on Substack, Decoding TXT's Neverland. Go check it out, as well as my recent TXT-dedicated episode called The Name Chapter Temptation Study Guide. Let's welcome new members into the 100 Million Views Club. Lo Siento by Super Junior and Leslie Grace. Cheshire by Itzy. The Shutdown Dance Practice Video by Blackpink. The Money Dance Practice Video by Lisa Solo. Hot by Seventeen. And Anti-Fragile by Le Seraphim. 
joining the 200 million views club, Itzy's Not Shy, BTS is Just One Day, and Blackpink Keep entering new clubs, the Shutdown Club for 300 million views, Pink Venom entering the 500 million views club, and Playing With Fire, 800 million. Lastly, your action item of the day. There are so many. One is please keep in mind wherever you're donating. A great way because there's just so many causes in the world I want to spend hours telling you to go support. But the bottom line is whichever charities you donate to, it's helpful to go to charitynavigator.org to verify their legitness first. Also, we just passed Holocaust Remembrance Day, and so I really recommend the book Night by Ellie Weisel. Really powerful story, as are all memoirs of that time, so please do some reading about that part of history, some time to reflect. It doesn't have to be on the specific day, of course. You can also support a memorial fund for Tyree Nichols, who was basically beaten to death. His GoFundMe is a part of the document, linked to on bit.ly backslash justice for Tyree. Four, number four, not the word. Lastly, First Book is a good nonprofit to check out. They allow book prices to get massive discounts for places like schools who want to get new books. I just love reading so much and freedom of expression so much. So please support reading anything. I love when people read. More info at aft.org backslash read for you to help donate. All right, that's all for me today. Thank you all for tuning in. I'll talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everybody.